0: pause your workouts and enjoy.
1: Okay, so we have two very special guests today. And today I hope will be one of those episodes that helps you all feel better about your prospects of having the happy ending for your writing. Jesse, why don't you introduce yourself? (laughs) I'm Jesse. I am a writer newly represented by
2: Kristen Tourette of Martin Literary. And I'm about to graduate in June from a master of fine arts and creative writing program through Reinhardt University, which has been amazing. I uh, just turned my thesis a couple days ago, so that's very exciting. Um, I currently work as an administrative assistant at Kennesaw State University. Um, I married to my wonderful husband, Chase. We live in Atlanta, and we're expecting our first kid in October. So lots of exciting things happening around here.
1: Congratulations, a book baby and a real baby. Yeah, that's
2: exactly. That's what I keep saying.
1: And Tell us about what you're writing, too.
2: Sure. So... Let me just give you my little back of the book blurb that we're using for a pitch. Um, actually, the book is out on submission right now. So here we go. When 16-year-old Rigby Rimes dies, she finds herself transported not to the afterlife, but into the pages of her favorite novel, Chance Golden in the Battle of Thornwell, where she's tasked with changing the story to save the life of the brooding villain, Wick. But when Wick learns he's a book character, his actions threaten the existence of the entire story world and the fate of Rigby's soul.
1: So it's, it's kind of a little bit of metafiction sprinkled in Mrs. Fantasy. And I'm very
2: excited to see what happens.
1: I love that. Okay. So tell Thank us you. about your pitch process. Like how sure. many people did you have to send it to? Did you pivot sure. at any point? Like how did all of that work? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: So I started querying at the end of October of last year. My first pitches were at the Broadleaf Conference, which is an annual conference in Atlanta. It was actually online this year. And I had two pitches there. They went really well. I got partial requests from both of those people, but both of those leads kind of fizzled out. (laughs) So it started out strong. Nothing ended up happening with those. And then I submitted to probably 30 to 35 people after that. All at once. This was back before I knew that it was smarter to do it in rounds. (laughs) And I just kept getting rejections and they were all just copy paste rejections where you could tell, okay, you know, this is not something that they were really heavily considering. You know, this is not something they spent a lot of time on. And it was frustrating. (laughs) Number one, because I was in the first trimester of pregnancy. So there was just a lot going on anyways, in terms of hormones. Which did not make this any easier Why? but also it's just hard you know when you spent such a huge chunk of your life writing something mm-hmm. for me this is a story that i first came up with when i was 16. so this was nine years in the making and i just felt like oh my goodness you know what if this is all for nothing like what if i've spent so much time working mm-hmm. on this you know refining my craft And I can't get it into anybody's hands. I I've got to do something and figure out who can help me. Actually, I sat down at work one morning and I had an email from the manuscript academy, I think this was, I don't know, mid February, maybe towards the end of February, and it was advertising a rejection seminar that was happening that week. And it was actually starting later that day. So I just completely impulsively signed up for it and it changed the game. That is when I decided, okay, I really need to pivot. I need to rewrite my pitch, focus more strongly on what my character wants and what she's not getting. I learned a lot about (laughs) rejections, about interpreting rejections at that seminar. I actually also had a happiness call from you, Jessica and Julie who were hosting the seminar, and you guys recommended that I do a first 50 pages critique with Samantha Waxstein, who's one of the fellow agents at Manuscript Academy. And Samantha was incredible. <laughs> I had a fantastic experience with her. She returned my first 50 pages, and I was shocked at her advice because she recommended that I change the order of the first couple of chapters back to their original order. And I hadn't even told her that I had changed up the order. Mm -hmm. She just knew instinctively. It makes more sense for these chapters to go in this order. But I had kind of doubted myself when I started pitching and I switched them, but I never should have done that. And she (laughs) knew that. So I switched them back. I polished up my rewritten query letter. And right around that time, I got a text from a friend of mine who had met Kristen at church, of all things, Mm -hmm. and they had been assigned to be prayer partners for the week. Mm -hmm. And um, this friend, her name's Jordan, told Kristen about my book, told her a little synopsis. And Kristen said, okay, sure. Yeah, here's my email. Have your friend send her first Mm -hmm. 10 pages and her letter. And I did. (laughs) And less than 24 hours later, she had requested a full. And that was my first Mm -hmm. request for a full that I'd ever gotten. And then then less than a week after that, we had met in person (laughs) and things just clicked. I could tell she got the book, you know, she, she really understood what I was doing with those stories. She accepted Mm -hmm. kind of the weird meta structure of the book, which I didn't know Mm -hmm. if anybody would be interested in that, but she was. Um, so I really just felt like it was so difficult, you know, to be in those trenches, mm-hmm. to feel like you're just shouting into the void because you believe mm-hmm. so strongly in your story and you just want somebody to look mm-hmm. at it and think, mm-hmm. yes, I'm going to champion this. I'm going to get behind this. And I cried a lot in my car <laughs> and driving home for work during those weeks. you know, you know, the rejection is going to mm-hmm. hurt. And I don't really mm-hmm. think a way to avoid it hurting um I think you just mm-hmm. have to let yourself cry a little bit but then just get back on your computer and send the next one um and do whatever you need to do to find peace in the meantime for me that was prayer that was going for locks And Mm -hmm. then eventually everything just fell into place. So I'm very, very thankful for how everything happened.
1: Oh my goodness. And Kristen, (laughs) tell us about you. So Jesse was
3: um, lived like kind of close by to me. So we were able to actually meet face to face, which doesn't happen very often, but this is like really cool for us. So I know. So we're like in the Atlanta area. Um, I do think it's a myth that you have to be in New York to be a writer or an editor or, you know, part of a publishing house. So um, I think now, especially since COVID times, that, that world has expanded. Greatly so. um, Hopefully that gives everyone else you know great insight into that. And um, yeah, I'm I have you know a couple kids, two teenagers. Um, I write. I I did a lot of things before I started agenting, but I feel like God has me exactly where I want to be right now and where He wants me to be. And so I feel like I have a lot of things in my pocket that I can pull out at any given moment. But yeah, I love what I do. So I'm excited. I just started agenting in the fall, and I interned with Writer's House last summer. So that was like a really big deal for me, I can believe that I found myself amongst those people. So that was like huge. And I know that that helped me land, you know, where I am now with Martin lit and them, you know, giving me a chance to take on my own clients. So, so yeah, that's kind of a little, little peek into, you know, my backstory.
1: Oh, this is amazing. I have so many questions I want to ask, but rapid fire. First of all, do you recommend querying during the first trimester of pregnancy? (laughs) Absolutely not. This is going
2: to be one of my pieces of advice. If there's any way that you can time it, you know, so that you're not doing those things at the same time, that's definitely what I recommend. I think it was like an extra challenge level. I love
1: that. Um, and also, Kristen, I saw you nodding when Jesse was talking mm-hmm. about the character, the goals, and why she's not getting it. Mm-hmm. Can you both talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about why that's so important?
3: Yes. Okay. So every story has to have stakes because, you know, that's what's going to keep us reading to see how they're going to overcome whatever the challenge is, right? And so I've learned in writing, and also we focused a lot in this actually at Writer's House, too, because we were taught to be fixers of the story. So we could take any story, even if it was a genre that we didn't necessarily love and read, you know, a lot about, we should be able to fix it. And so we kind of go into every um, submission like that. And so if you are querying and we don't know what the stakes are, we don't know why we're supposed to root for that character, why we want them to overcome whatever it is, I mean, it could be anything, then you lose this right away. And I personally like to see that challenge kind of just voiced in somewhere or another within the first five pages, definitely within the first 10 pages. I hope I can say that, you know, Rigby dies in like the first five or 10 pages, right? Like, and like, obviously that's a big deal. And how are we going to, what's going to happen? So, you know, you have to have something that makes me go, oh my gosh, how is she going to accomplish her mission or whatever? I really need to know that in your query. And I think I request 10 pages on my query manager and so just for me personally, I feel like that's pretty across the board. We need to know something within those first 10 pages is happening. One thing I should also mention is sometimes the stakes change in the story. So it may start out as one thing and then it kind of revolves into something else. And that's okay. So she she is the main character. Yes, she dies on, I think, page 9 or 10.
2: And all of the rest of the book is essentially um, on her way to the afterlife, she is stopped by her guardian angel, who basically gives her a chance to have this grand adventure that she's always longed for. So for Rigby, something that is important to her and is very core to her character is that she has this fatal heart condition called Brugada syndrome. And so she's lived her whole life, she's 16, knowing that her life is not going to be very long, knowing that she's not going to necessarily have the opportunities that her sister has, that her friends have, and that's obviously really hard to deal with mentally. So her escape is these fantasy novels that she loves, and Chance Golden in the Battle of Thornwell, the book that she ends up going inside of is her favorite book, it's just this escape. And all she wants, she's just aching for this adventure, for this magic and this beauty that have been missing from her life. And so her guardian angel basically gives her this second chance and says, okay, we're gonna send you into the world of your favorite book and give you a chance to bring something to that story, to redeem this villain character and change the ending so that he doesn't die at the end. So um, for me, for her want to be, you know, portrayed in the pitch, I really talked about like that longing for adventure that she had and she dies, that's ripped away from her. And now she's given a second chance. She actually has an opportunity to have an adventure and a magical adventure on top of that, mm-hmm. you know. So I thought um, it, the story, you know, didn't speak for itself as much before I included that one in the query letter.
3: And I was going to say another thing that just was popping in my head when you were talking is, it's really great when we read a query that has the same tone of the story. So if you're funny, if your story's funny, then your query needs to be lighthearted and funny, like professional, but find a way to make it mm-hmm. funny and make, bring some humor into it. And so bring that into your query, kind of give the tone, make sure the tone is the same. What would your main character kind of need to say?
1: I love so, that you okay. say that. I don't know if you've received a lot of these, but I've certainly received the query that is just absolutely flat in tone. And then at the very mm-hmm. end, it says, and I am very funny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um okay maybe (laughs) yeah I think a lot of people think of it as such a formal document that they're not allowed to be funny and they're not allowed to be themselves and they absolutely should because it's it's the humanity and the voice of it that that sets someone apart
3: Uh, yes exactly I was going to say that might get our attention so that's perfect yeah I agree
1: Um, So one thing I'm noticing as you're describing this book is that it doesn't fit neatly into a box. And one of the things so many writers and so many agents are told is that it's the books that fit neatly into a box that sell most easily. So can you talk a little bit about how it's still definitely possible if a work has more than one element? when you're querying me, I
3: need you to tell me what the genre is, but I will also decide for myself as I'm reading, like w- if there's some, some play on that. I agree that this one specifically doesn't, I mean, it certainly is fantasy, but it's got a lot of different stuff in there. I mean, so it's like got all the subgenres of fantasy, you know, it kind of fits in all of them. And so, but I think that that's where a good pitch comes in because you can use movie titles and books that are, you know, current and relative as comp titles and to pitch it. And that will help that editor for me, that editor that's going to look at my pitch to kind of go, oh, OK, so I can kind of understand where that would go on the bookshelf you know, it can kind of straddle the line as long as they can visualize it. And so uh, other agents that have been doing this a lot longer might have a better answer for you. But I certainly agree that it can be done. I I think it's kind of nice that it doesn't always fit into a box. I think that what drew me to it is that it's different. We see a lot of the same type of thing or the same replay of the same old, um, you know, the Trope or something like that, so this is feels really new and fresh, and so I think that that can help um, in getting attention from the editors. I'm hoping, I'm I'm praying and hoping that 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 it does. I think it will. I'm very confident.
2: It's so funny because when I met Kristen, um, when we were you know negotiating if I was going to be her client, she said. This is really weird. This is a weird book, but it's the right kind of weird, and I like it. <laughs> and, and that really rang true to me.
3: I, I forgot that I even said that, but I'm glad that it's that well with you. But it's true. It is true. I like that. I started reading it. She was a referral. I One thing I would always tell, like, if we're talking, you know, to writers out there is do go to conferences do pitch agents when you have the chance even if nothing comes of it that still could be a connection down the road or it might be your next book that you worked on or something like that there's always way any connection is a good connection in my opinion but you never know where that referral is going to come from because it could be that you're in a writing group that's another thing i can always tell who's in groups who's in you know has um goes to workshops and seminars and all the things and they're just, their writing stands out as, as different. They're a little ahead of the game because they worked at it. They put in the time the effort. And, you know, I always say like, you never know where that could come from. It could be like three months down the road. Someone gets an agent who then refers you and you just never know where that connection is going to come from. So Je- Jesse was a referral to me. I kind of moved her up in the list, right? Cause that's what you do when it's a friend and it's a referral. And I was like, I remember thinking, like I read the first, what was it? The first chapter, maybe you sent or something. And I was like, already emailing her like, who all has this? I need to know. And then, uh, and then I was like, so how many fools do you have out? Like, I, you know, I'm like asking her every, every day, like she sent me the full, I read some more and I kept going, I have to finish this book before I offer her representation. I have to finish it first. <laughs> Because I, because I need to know what the story is fully about, you know? And, um, but I, I wanted to earlier than that, even just because it was such good writing and so different and so fun, but yeah, I do think referrals are important, but it it just means like you just immerse yourself in in the business in any way you can, because you never know where that referral is going to come from.
2: I would love to add to that. When I started querying, that was one of my huge fears that I don't live in New York city. I don't live in Boston. You know, I don't have... All these, you know, high up connections—is that gonna basically just rule me out of ever getting published? And that's not true. That's not the case. You know, put yourself out there. Tell your friends and family and your coworkers that this is yep. what you're working on. You know, go yep. to the conferences, like Kristen said, because the only reason I was referred to Kristen is because I shared with this friend of mine. So you can definitely find referrals and connections in unexpected places, and it's not something that you need to be afraid of or intimidated by. Okay, mm-hmm. so
1: you had a friend at church who who knew both of you, right? <laughs> can you can you tell us how that small yeah. world story, please?
3: Um yes, so I am a part of a small group that we meet on Thursday nights. It's a group of women. It's basically a Bible study and One cool thing about our group is there are some, you know, old ladies like me and then some really young ladies. (laughs) And so it's been really fun. And my daughter actually goes with me, which is kind of really cool. She's a senior in high school. So that's been fun. So we just have this group that we'd signed up, you know, with at church and show up. And actually I did not know Jordan until the group. So I met her and yeah, we, we were assigned to be prayer partners like one week. So we're kind of like, okay, you know, what do you have to pray about? What do you have to pray about? And one of her things was like, she does, you know, kind of write and she's thinking about it. By this point, she knew kind of what I did. And then we just, I was like, well, you need to write if you're, if you're thinking about writing, the first step is writing. Like, you know, everyone says they have a book or they want to write, but no one, like not as many people actually put it, you know, to paper. And I think she's kind of fiddling around right now with that. But she happened to mention like, well, I do have a friend that like just finished her book. She's, I think, starting to try to find an agent. I was like, really, you know, tell me about her. And she told like a little pitch about her book. And I think, that you were in school I think she told me that that you were still getting your master's now and and I was like well that's cool because in my head I'm thinking well she's probably you know got her ducks in a row then you know like I said here here's my email send tell her to send me stuff because I felt I just felt good about it and Jordan's precious so I was excited to meet one of her friends and so yeah so it's just you just never ever know like what a small world we live in until you know something like this plays out. And on my end
2: I had met Jordan in college. We were friends through a lot of things. Um, we worked at the same church for a time, actually for a while after she graduated. Um, I worked for the marketing department at Reinhardt University. I did some writing and editing for them and she was my boss. <laughs> and So I actually <laughs> answered to her, but it's good because she had seen, you know, the quality of my <laughs> writing actually years ago. So I think she was able to vouch for me on that. But yeah, we're still friends. We're actually, our babies are due within two weeks of each other. So oh, not intentional. To be friends
1: too. <laughs> you <laughs> But it just, it all worked out so sweetly. Oh my gosh. And I, I love the way you describe it. I'm not very familiar with the concept, but the prayer partners to me sounds almost like a critique partner. So it makes yeah. me so happy to think that it's like another way to creatively collaborate and figure out what yeah. you need and how to get it. So that's really cool. Oh, yes, you got um, it. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but how incredibly cool that somebody who was a writer was praying about writing and happened doing so with a literary agent. Like how wonderfully organized of the world that is. Yeah, agreed. Let's talk a little bit more about when you're pitching science fiction and fantasy. I find that pitching character first is sometimes clearer than pitching world first, and I was hoping you could talk a little bit about
0: that.
3: Yeah, so I do see where you're coming from because sometimes the world, like the character, we need to know what they're about first before because the world can kind of confuse us all of a sudden depending on where we're heading. I think that's great advice. I would also have to agree. You know, not that I'm on the agenting
2: side of things but just in my experience um sending it to people this was something that samantha told me when she read my my pitch and my first 50 pages was that you know you don't need to explain every inner mechanism (laughs) of the fantasy world that you've created they don't have to know why this potion does that you don't have to get you know that down into the details you we need a structure you know we need to know on a general level does this make sense But what she cared more about was, is the main character compelling? Does she have a reason to be existing in this world? And what is she doing? I would definitely agree with
1: that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think about, you know, going into the slash pile, you're like, okay, I have 20 Mm -hmm. to 30 seconds per pitch to try to make Mm -hmm. sense of it. And if it's all technicalities of how a world works, how a magic system works, Mm -hmm. I can get lost. But if you just start Mm -hmm. me with, here's a character with an unrequited love, then I'm like, okay, I don't care what else is happening in the world. Um, Maybe I don't understand it at all, but I get the emotional core of it. And I think that's, That's you know, if no one is understanding what your pitch is, and I definitely think sci-fi fantasy, that is so hard to make it something that makes Mm -hmm. sense in 20 seconds, you know, print it out, give it to a friend, set a timer, quiz them. See if their reading comprehension is good. I did that. I sent it good. to my
2: father-in-law, who is a very, you know, mechanically minded math person who's not familiar with what I've been working on, but he does like to read. And I sent him to my pitch and said, yeah. does this make sense? You know, does, yeah. is it too far in the weeds? Do you understand the basics of what's good. happening here? I totally agreed with that.
1: <laughs> I like that you sent it to a math and technical person, too. I think that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I mean, you could even do it over Zoom. Find somebody, time them, see if it mm-hmm. makes sense to them. But I really, really think we tend to understand emotion faster than mechanics.
3: I 100% agree. Great Um,
1: advice. So can (laughs) you tell us a little bit more about how many pitches you sent out, how many responses you got, how long it took, Mm -hmm. just because we know there's a happy ending so we can tolerate the discomfort of hearing how hard it was along the way?
2: Absolutely. So to be totally honest, um, I think my querying journey was a lot briefer (laughs) than a lot of people's. And I am very thankful for that. Of course, when you're in it in the day-to-day, you know, you have three rejections that you get in one day, it doesn't feel brief. (laughs) You know, it feels like this is just going on forever, you know, and there's never going to be an end to it. But really it took from start to end about four months. And I think total, I probably sent somewhere between 30 to 40 pitches and I had gotten, I want to say around 25 actual rejections. And then the rest were just no responses, which are kind of the worst. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, it all ended up working out okay. But it really was not a terribly long process. And mm-hmm. I am thankful for that because it's not a, you know, it's not a particularly fun place to be. So mm-hmm. I definitely sympathize with people who, you know, have been doing this for six months or a year. Mm-hmm. And Allie, Kristen's, uh, another of Kristen's clients, I mean, she queried for a very, very long time before years. she got Kristen. And now she's got this fantastic book deal with mm-hmm. these two amazing books coming out in the next two years. So, yeah. you know, it can totally still happen. There's no timeline on, okay, now you fail, you know, you're never gonna get an agent. But mm-hmm. I will say I am thankful for how brief my experience was mm-hmm. in the trenches.
1: Yeah, but you didn't know what was happening. I mean, yeah. while while it was happening, you're like, maybe I'll be here for 10 years. You don't know. Yeah. You just yeah. have to brace yourself and kind of mentally prepare for, okay, you know, we could be in this for the long
2: haul and I'm not giving up on this story until mm-hmm. there's nobody left to pitch to.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will just add, and I thought about this earlier when you were talking about, you know, your rejections and how it can be so painful because you've sent your, your, your love, your book, baby, you know, like to this person and they've given you a form rejection back and, you know, I've been there on that other side. So I, I I 100% feel for those times when I have to do form rejections. But the reality is that, you know, I have like over 500 queries in my query manager right now, like I'm swamp. And on top of that, I'm still taking picture books, but I have quite a few picture books right now. So if you have a picture book query with me, I, I'm most likely I'm not going to be able at the, this very moment to take it, it might change in a month, it might, you know, I don't know. So I don't want to completely close my submissions to them because you just never know what's going to come through. But, you know, that's harder. My middle grade authors, I'm a little tighter in that spot right now. You know, so there's reality from our side is that we hate doing that form rejection, but you just, it might make you all feel better as writers that are querying authors that, you know, it sometimes it is literally nothing to do with your query. And, and, you know, it could just be as simple as that. Like, On this side of things, we're a lot of the time swamped and it's so much easier for us to do the form rejection than to have to type out everything. So it is something that helps us to just get through the slush pile. I mean... But I really, really would just say, like, I re- I remember how it feels, but don't take it to heart because it really has nothing to do with you. It could literally just be your genre or the time of day. You know, I try not to read them when I'm tired, because that is another thing. Because I remember when I was querying, like, you're kind of praying that the agent opens it when they're, you know, they have fresh eyes or whatever. Um, so I do try to not do query manager work when I'm like tired. But just remember, we're swamped on this side of things. And you're, you will find the right agent for you, um, that agent is going to open that query at the right time and send you that request or, and then read it quickly. And then that person is the one for you.
2: And then it's funny, Kristen, because I don't think I would have queried you. (laughs) Um, Based on your profile, there was nothing that stuck out to me as, Oh, yeah, this person would definitely be interested in this weird metafiction, you know, <laughs> book true. within a book structure. True. I was primarily submitting to people who, you know, specifically mentioned those things in their manuscript wish list profiles. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have any of that. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I hadn't had that referral, if I ever would have mm-hmm. submitted to you, but you were the right person. So yeah. I just want to encourage people too that if you get rejected by somebody who on paper seems like the perfect match for you. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're doomed or that you're not gonna find someone who is the right match for you.
1: Yeah, I I really want to encourage everyone out there. You know, for example, there were so many search terms you could have used. You could have used fantasy, you could have used so many different search terms. And I want to Mm -hmm. encourage people to think of all of the different terms that could describe their work and then search for all of them across channels. Search for it in your Twitter Advanced Search, search for it in Publishers Marketplace, search for it on ManuscriptWishlist.com, search for it in Query Tracker, do all of the those searches so that you just get the biggest, most comprehensive list. Because anyone mm-hmm. who seems vaguely interested might be. So yeah, yeah. I do want to encourage that too. Kristen, you said something interesting about not wanting to do your query manager work when you're tired. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of writers worry that we're just always tired or always like in a bad mood. It's just like you know Mercury's in retrograde that day, so that's why they don't get published. But I want is that we're more self-aware than that like I think yeah. we all take it very very seriously we all want to do the good responsible thing and think about it mm-hmm. um I knew an editor who worked only on romance and had a horrible breakup and just did not read romance submissions for that week because that's a responsible thing to do right Yeah. yeah. um and I, I just agree. I I really think that we are more self-aware and responsible than writers think we are I think they think it's like oh my gosh like it's the wrong day mm-hmm. and that's why I got rejected
3: it's so true. It's so true. Yes. I don't want to put my clients ever in a position where they feel like they're butting heads against each other. So I yeah. have some young adult clients, I have middle grade clients, but they write in very different subgenres or they have a different tone or whatever. It's very different for each one. And so, you know, all
1: of that is running through my mind as I'm reading. I've started to think of it as air traffic control. I don't know if you've ever flown out of JFK, but it is so common that they're like, yep, you are 27th in line for takeoff. And um, it's one of those things where it's like, you need to think about, does this author have a clear runway where I can get them to editors and not possibly have them, you know, not run into anybody else or not cause any problems or not make everyone in the office organizing everybody stressed out? Um, You know, how do we make it so that everyone is given a good ethical Mm -hmm. chance? Yep. Good. So true. Gosh, there were so many things I wanted to ask all of you about. Kristen, why don't you tell us about what things are like? So did you write first or did you agent first? I wrote first.
3: So I was always the kid that, you know, wrote stories growing up, poetry, songs, like whatever. I was always in my head. I was a book nerd. I read everything I could get my hands on. And then I, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say I even grew out of it. It was more like kind of reality. Oh, I'm going to do something to make, make a dime, you know, make a, make a living and so i've done many careers and so i've um i was a teacher i was a children's ministry director for a while um, i was even in real estate for a while when my kids were really little so i've like done all these things so i kind of joke like god what were you doing with all of these different careers for me but the the real estate time period i was in real estate technically for like five years so and i did new homes so we did like homes right from the ground up and so there was a lot of contractual stuff right and, and involved in that and i'm kind of joking like now with god about how that's helped me to read contracts now, like who would have thought that many years ago. But so I started writing again, about 10 to 12 years ago, maybe just kind of as a hobby at that time, but I started, it became more and more of my focus. And finally, just my husband was like, okay, let's give this a go. So I quit my full time ministry job and stayed home. My my son was in preschool at the time. So I was able to then be at home a lot with him. And so I started writing, I didn't really know what I was going to be doing. But I had stories. I've wrote a lot of um, devotionals and articles published online and things like that. And I just kept taking all these random things that kept coming my way. I was a blog manager for a pretty big international women's ministry for a while. I have done social media, which I'm not even necessarily the best at that, but i have done social media for a publishing house. And so all these little components of things. And then, you know, I've published myself. So I've been through the editing process a bunch of times at this point. And so I kind of, um, a few years ago, decided that I wanted to... I was an agent to author, and honestly, like every personality is very different, and so an agent's personality and their authors, and you have to really mesh and. But I kind of started thinking, like, how fun that would actually be for me to be on that side of things. Like, I enjoy authors, I enjoy the editing process, I enjoy. I'm a relational person, so I enjoy like the idea of networking with like editors and meeting other book people. Like, that's amazing. And so it just kind of started settling in me, like, I could do that. I I think that would be fun. But then you're like, well, how do you start agenting? Like, where does that have? How do you, what school is there for that? Like, I I need to know. And so I just kind of had that nudge in the back of my mind and didn't really know what to do with that nudge, honestly, for a little while. I just kept thinking, I'm just going to keep chugging through open doors when they come my way. And then I got the internship at writer's house. And that was such a flu thing for me. I was like, you know, I have all these skills and, you know, I've, I'm smart. I have some degrees. I can make some money for the family. Like, what could I do part-time? Like, what could I throw out there to make some money? And I started looking at part-time jobs and in publishing and internships pulled up and writer's house internship pulled up. And I was like, oh, what the heck? I'm just going to like, you know, throw together a resume and a cover letter letter and send it out there. And I've sent it to a few um, internships at the time. And crazy enough, the writer's house one is like the one that responded. And like, I kept going through their process and like getting further along. And I was like, what is happening? I was like, this is crazy. So the people that were in my intern group were like, you know, people from like Harvard and Yale and like, I'm getting, you know, just my Underneath Jody Reamer's desk, I'm like with her assistant. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like the top agents in the world, you know, like work for writers House, So I was just like eating it up and just like a little kid every day. But we, I learned so much. I had the best time internships as a whole I would totally recommend to people that want to get in this business because it was fantastic. So when when we graduated I just kind of started throwing out resumes in some of the editing openings for for an assistant editor type position and I'm um, a few agent positions and Charlene called me and it's funny because at the time I know that the writer's house internship so internship the internships, which is why I highly recommend them is what helped me to get a phone call from her. And she was looking to make sure that her agency always covers all the genres. So, you know, what are you interested in, Kristen? Because I need someone to cover these types of things. And it really sat well with what I really wanted to read and rep. So so it just kind of fell into place. And she, you know, gave me a, a chance at it. So anyways, if you're thinking about the publishing industry at all, take internships, even if it's something you're not sure about, an internship is still going to help you get through the next
1: door. And you're absolutely right that a lot of people build their agencies based off of what genre you're interested in. I know someone who just went around to people saying, you don't have a nonfiction department. Here I am. <laughs> and it worked. Hey, that's true. Yes. Perfect. So yeah, if you if you are in that position, try and get hired by an agency. Look for agencies that don't have what you do. And that Good. will definitely help. So, Jesse, is it strange for you to hear about? all of this becoming an agent stuff? Is it what you expected? Is it? <laughs> it's funny because when I met
2: Kristen um, and just watching her, you know, go through this process of preparing to submit my work and now submitting it, I think, you know, as a new author coming in from the outside, you feel like, oh, publishing is just this closed, unfriendly world, you know, and, really competitive and when I met Kristen and I started learning more about agenting and then the more I hear you know people like you have these conversations the more I realize a lot of most of the people in this industry are actually so wonderful and they really do just want to like express their creativity you know and you know publish fantastic books people are doing this because they love books and they love words and they love making that magic for other people and people are really friendly people are very willing to help um they're just busy (laughs) And I think sometimes, you know, to people on the outside that comes across as this like coldness or this standoffishness, but it's just busyness. It's just, you know, the fact of the publishing industry. But yeah, I've definitely learned that, you know, that preconception that I had was not correct. Everybody is very friendly. They're very willing to help each other. um, Very willing to refer you to someone, you know, that they know if they feel like that's the right person for your book and this person is not. So I really appreciate that.
1: That's so interesting you say that. It reminds me a little bit of how people talk about New Yorkers. Um, you know, they're so busy. Everyone thinks that we're rude, and in some cases, yes. Um, but one thing I noticed um, about the etiquette here, because I'm, I'm not from here, I'm a, from a small town, is that just about any New Yorker on the street will give you directions and they will be obsessive about giving you the best directions. However, you can't just walk up to someone and say, how do I get here? You have to do this thing where you go up and you say, excuse me, and then you wait for them to turn to you. And once you have their attention, then they will do everything to help you. But you need that one little interaction first. And I think that might be part of this too. It's like everyone in publishing is zooming by so fast. But if you can get that moment with somebody, they will do their best to help you. It's just yeah, getting that, that moment. makes so much sense. One thing I loved when you were talking about the longing for your character and your pitch letter is that it almost sounded to me the way writers long to be agented. You know, your character feels like all of this just has to happen and it's going to work out. So you were probably, as a writer, longing for an agent for a while, and then it happened. So did that longing and that expectation, did it match? Was it different? Was it better than you expected? How did that compare? Honestly, it still feels surreal <laughs> i still feel like i'm taking it in and now we're already at
2: this next step of submitting but i mean for me this has always been you know what i wanted to do with my life and like i said i started this book when i was 16 that's when i wrote the terrible first draft when i was in high school you know the terrible but necessary first draft um i'm now 25 so this has been you know this whole chunk of my life that i've dedicated to this one story to becoming a writer who's capable of writing the story that i had in my head and i i do really relate to that ache that i was talking about in rigby's heart just it's it hurts sometimes because you want this so badly you want to share these words so badly you want these characters and these places to exist in everyone else's minds like the way that they exist in yours and it really almost feels painful in your heart sometimes um and i think anybody who you know has these creatively driven career goals can relate to that anybody who's trying to put their art out there can relate to that and when it finally happened yes it it felt absolutely magical. It still feels absolutely magical. And that's a really, really beautiful place to be. And it was definitely worth all the years of, you know, learning, scrapping books, starting over and then querying and going through the rejections. That makes me so
1: happy. Like I'm I'm so happy that like you can get to this place where you're like, yes, it was hard, but it was all worth it.
2: It's so satisfying. It is absolutely one of the best feelings I've experienced.
3: And I will add, you mentioned about everyone being nice and friendly. And I feel the same way. Like And I think what I figured out is we're all kind of the same, like we all are creative minded. And we all love stories. We're all, we all love words. We all, we like the same things. We're like book nerds. And so it's like, it's almost like this like camaraderie of people. And, you know, but honestly, like some of us are a little shy and introverted sometimes too, you know? So there's a little bit of that even, but yeah, it's like, I kind of joke that I feel like I've found my, my people because every day now we get to talk with authors and editors and agents and all everything. And so it's kind of like, you kind of understand each other in that way that the outside world, like my husband doesn't, he's not a reader. He doesn't understand my love for books and stuff, but you guys
1: do. And so I kind of feel like, you know, we found our, our, our people. Oh, I love that. Okay. So for those still seeking their people, what advice do you have? I would say,
3: you know, kind of standard advice is to pay attention to the tone in your query, make any connection possible, which will mean going to conferences, being in groups, um, workshops, keep growing and learning in your craft is always super important. It's a collaborative, publishing is collaborative. I mean, you collaborate a lot with people, so I would say definitely make that part of your your journey. And you know, I I would say with queries specifically, make sure your pages are dynamite, but also the query. Make sure that you give what we ask for. And then the other thing I always kind of notice is word counts that maybe don't line up with the genre that they're they're pitching. That can be a really big red flag. So just know your genre. So yeah, so those are my top things that were kind of running really really quickly.
1: And if anyone is worried about word. If you Google word count Dracula, there is a wonderful blog post by Agent Jennifer Loughran about all of the different word counts for all of the different genres and age groups. Jesse, what about you? What tips do you have?
2: So on a very practical level, like just building blocks of writing, um, probably the two biggest things that I learned were... Number one, um, if a daily page count doesn't work for you, you don't have to do a daily page count. I think so often in writing circles and in writing workshops, you hear, you know, you need to be writing a page a day. You need to be writing a thousand words a day. But that didn't work for me, you know, with my life, you know, working full time, being at school, being married, that's not always practical. So I switched to a monthly page goal. And it was the perfect combination of discipline and flexibility where, you know, if I miss a day, I didn't feel like a failure. I didn't feel like I was behind. I would just write more the next day. And another thing um, that really helped, especially during the revision process, was having what I call the dumping ground document, which was just an extra Word document that I had open when I was cutting stuff out so I could copy and paste it into another document and it felt like, okay, I'm keeping these words. I can visit them like old friends in this alternate document, <laughs> but I'm not just deleting them you know, and removing them from existence after I've worked so hard on them. So if you're struggling to get your word count down, that really helped me. And then just for overarching advice for writers, um, especially ones who are querying, the number one thing that I've learned is... Don't wish that you had an easier dream. (laughs) I know it's really, really tempting to, you know, when you're striving for something that feels so impossible and that feels so nebulous sometimes because there's not a direct career path forward when you want to be an author. There's not, okay, get this degree, follow this exact series of steps, and then you're going to find success as a writer. You're going to get published as a writer. I think sometimes I have found myself, you know questioning, you know, why, why did I have to want something that's so hard? Why do I have to have this pull towards something that's so difficult to obtain? That almost feels like winning the lottery. Um, So I believe that, you know, if God put that dream into your heart and put that story into your heart, that it's for a reason, and somebody needs that story. So even if what you're pursuing is really, really difficult, even if it feels like impossible at times, um, don't wish that you had a different dream. Don't wish that you were on a different path because this is the one that you're meant to be on.
1: Um, I can't wait for your author interviews, you know, like when you're on your blog tours and your and your oh, opening you, events. <laughs> and no, it's gonna be great. And I I really want to just I I want for us to be able to be cheering you on, even if from the sidelines when all of that happens for you. so much.
2: Thank you. And thank you for everything that you guys have done, you know, just for my personal querying journey. Seriously, I feel like that was an essential piece for me. So I'm giving you a virtual hug.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, I'm just, I'm so happy to see the two of you working together being, I mean, I'm just, I'm just very, very optimistic for you. Yeah. It was just, it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you so much too. Yes. Thank you guys. That was awesome. Thanks for having me. Okay. So where can we find
3: you both online? Um, you can find me at kristenturette.com. So I have a website that will kind of cover all the bases um, that you need, but also um, at martinlit.com. So I'm with Martin Litt, and so simple, simple martinlit.com and find me there.
1: Kristen, what kind of books are you looking for? And what do all of your clients have in common? All of um,
3: Martin Lit's faith-based submissions. So that kind of runs a gamut of nonfiction and fiction. So anything um, that is considered faith-based, I will take it. Um, So I also like Grounded in Kidlit, picture books, middle grade. I love author illustrators, by the way, just kind of throwing that out there but definitely middle grade and young adult. Um, so, and then I also like some thrillers and some horror, which is kind of random, but like, I actually do really like that that kind of stuff. So I would love to see more of that. Um, I love female driven crime fil- thrillers. So like, if you have like a really strong female lead, like in a book, I want to see it. So yeah, I do some women's fiction. I have a women's fiction author right now that is a refer was a referral and I just, just loved her story. So I'm not actively, like that's not on the website, but I do like women's fiction. So I would take a look, Um, but I would say all of them have in common that they are friendly. So I want to make sure we're a good fit. And so a lot of that means that they're friendly and, and approachable, but also they're all of them lifelong learners. Now that you asked that question, if I think about all of them, they don't look at um, their one book, they're like a one stop shop, you know, that's not what they're about. Um, I am focused on, you know, definitely own voices. So uh, and that kind of is a lot of things. So to me, I love, you know, I love the idea that I'm growing clients and they have different backgrounds. Um, I'm about to put on submission a, a nonfiction book um, with an autistic um, guy, like painter, he's an artist. It's just phenomenal. I'm so excited about it. So like, I have a lot of different things, not just, you know, just one set thing. I would say that all of them want to keep learning. They're not just one book and done. Like they want to keep growing and learning and they're friendly and we can get along good. And
1: do you have any specific advice for people writing in the faith-based space? Oh yeah.
3: Good question. So pay attention to what you're putting out to the world. Honestly, is, is a good thing to kind of pay, kind of look out for. With faith based and read in that genre. So if you are re- sending me a contemporary romance that is like an inspirational fiction, read in that genre very solidly because the, there are lines that you can't cross and and some of them kind of walk the line. Certain you know um, imprints and then some are very strict over here and and I kind of know those and I read those. I read all in those. So um, but yeah, that definitely read in that in those in those spaces before you submit.
1: I think I know what you mean, but what are they hoping you don't have on your social media?
3: Okay, good. So if we're if I'm submitting to let's say Kendall or Thomas Nelson, you know Harper Collins, but or Worthy Kids and Hashtag, you know, if we're they're kind of under the umbrella, they don't want a lot of political stuff on your social media. They're not going to want a lot of crudeness or, or pressing, cussing, um, curse words, you know, kind of just not um, opening yourself up to a lot of pushback. And pushing back on others, like there, there are some ways to kind of just stay a little bit soft on, on that way. Because I mean, the reality is it's still a business. And so if you, they have to be careful what they're taking on in that in that space. So um, did that kind of
1: answer your question? Yeah, thank you for clarifying. I was pretty sure I knew what you <laughs> okay. meant, but I wasn't 100% sure. <laughs> and Jesse, where can we find you online?
2: My main online presence is Instagram. My account is called Picnics with Paperbacks. Um, And that is also my TikTok
1: account. Thank you both so much for being here. I'm just, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy you happened to run into the person who could introduce you. And I just can't wait to hear about
0: good things happening for you in the future. Wonderful. Thank you guys.
2: Thank you so much for having us.
0: We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. And that only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our
1: First Pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com
0: with First Pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.